Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the I Just Can't Crack Your Code edition. As the Bengals lose to the Cleveland Browns for the fifth straight time and eighth time in their last nine meetings, 32 to 13. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know Bengals rookie, Zach Carter. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since my mom. My mom turned 85 last week, and on Sunday, I was able to drive home to Lakewood, New York, and surprise her for her birthday. It's only a couple of hours from Cleveland, so it worked out perfectly. My mom is amazing. She raised five kids while having a wide variety of jobs over the years and kept working until she was 80. If I am one-tenth of the parent that she is, my son Sam should turn out okay. So, happy birthday, Mom, and thank you for everything. Now, let's get to the radio calls from a Monday night loss in Cleveland. Burrow catches the shotgun snap, throws a pass, deflected, and intercepted. The snap, the put down, and the right-footed kick, it's blocked! Wow! And it flutters down to the 10, and will roll to a stop inside the 10. The Bengals block the field goal try by Cade York, and they'll get a great drive start as a result at the 43-yard line. B.J. Hill, I think, is the guy that blocked it. Burrow catches the shotgun snap, and he'll be sacked. Back at the 45 by, you guessed it, Miles Garrett. Now it's an end around and a pass down Pick the field. It. Intercepted. Yeah. Von Bell picks it off. Running up the sideline into Brown's territory. They'll say he stepped out, but it is an interception. The Browns going to some trickery. It was an end around and then a pass. And Amari Cooper's throw is picked off by Von Bell, his fourth interception of the year. And Logan Wilson put the pressure on Amari Cooper and uh, and made him throw the football sooner than he wanted to and errantly to boot. Seven offensive linemen stretched out the straight line. Now they're going to snap it directly to Nick Chubb out of a Wildcat. Catches at the nine. Runs right, cuts up the middle and goes into the end zone standing up. Seven offensive linemen and a direct snap to Nick Chubb. The end result, a four-yard touchdown. Boy, I'll tell you, the Bengals' uh, defensive line got washed that time. Every member of the defensive line was about four yards in the end zone. Brissett back to throw. He gets hit. Ball comes out. Grabbed by Akeem Davis-Gaither. And the Bengals will take over near midfield as Akeem Davis-Gaither comes away with the interception as Brissett got hit hard and coughed up the ball. Money Mack is ready, trying to put Cincinnati on the scoreboard from 47 yards away. The rookie, Adamitis, fires it back to Huber. Here comes the kick, a high spinning end over end kick, and it's wide right. Wow. From 55 yards away, the snap, the put down, and the kick. It has the distance, and it is yep. good. And the half ends with the Browns on top. 11 zip. Second and goal from the three. 
Brissett with a play action fake. Now running. Moving to his left. Pump fakes. Trying to get to the end zone. Dives. Touches the pylon. Touchdown, Cleveland. Brissett in the shotgun. He catches. He drops back. Floats a fade into the end zone. Easy pitch and catch. Amari Cooper with a touchdown. Trey Flowers flailing in pursuit. Bengals go empty with three receivers left and two right. On first and ten from the Cleveland 13. Two defenders waiting at the goal line. Burrow drops back. It's a deep drop. Joe runs away from a possible hit. Throws into the end zone. Deflected and caught by nice. Tyler Boyd. Touchdown. Bengals. set with the play clock at three. Hands it off to Chubb. Running up the middle to the five. And into the end zone. Standing up for the touchdown. Burrow waits for a shotgun snap with Mixon to his right. Fakes to Mixon, drops back, throws it deep downfield. Higgins, high points the nice. ball, makes the catch, and runs into the end zone. He was too big and too strong for Greedy, for Greedy Williams, yep. and the Bengals score on the 41-yard strike. Bengals' chances are slim, but they're not quite dead yet. They need to convert here on fourth and four, trailing by 19 in the fourth quarter. Burrow drops back, quick throw, back shoulder, broken up, incomplete, intended for Tyler Boyd. Martin Emerson with the play defensively, and the Bengals turn it over on downs. The final score again, 32-13, and the stats were pretty grisly. The Browns outgained the Bengals 440-229, to topped them in rushing yards 172-36, to and time of possession was roughly 37 minutes to 23. To make matters worse, Chidabe Awuje left the game with a knee injury. He was taken to the locker room on a cart and was on crutches wearing a bulky knee brace after the game. Sam Hubbard addressed his teammates' injury and other issues in front of his locker. How much did the loss of Cheeto hurt? Oh, unbelievable. He's, uh, you know, that, that hurts really bad. He's an unbelievable player. I wish him all the best, and uh, we, we're going to miss him. If I don't know what happened, or but I saw him on crutches. It's just really tough. What, what does it say about him that so many guys wanted to check on him while he was in the medical tent before he got carted off? Yeah, he's just, you know, if you know anything about Cheeto, this is means the world to him. He's uh, one of the most reliable teammates I've ever played with, and, uh, you know, not much to say other than, uh, you know, it means a lot to this team. You guys obviously have to move on, but how do you keep it from being deflating? I mean, you guys are human. You you have to feel for the guy. and yeah. I'm sure the loss of him meant a lot X and O wise, but even beyond that, is it something you guys felt? Yeah, definitely. You know, we, uh, you know, it's never easy. You know, we're down a bunch of our leaders and, you know, DJ stuff like that. But, uh, you know, young guys are going to get an opportunity to step up and um, we'll rally around that. There's always the talk that there's a lot of football left to be played and obviously not even halfway through the season yet. But do you look at 0-3 in the division? Is that something that you pay attention to at this point and realize what kind of a hole that's going to be to climb out of? Yeah, you have to. At this point, we get one more shot at each team and uh, best chances to go 3-3 three and three in the division. And it's kind of getting crunch time where we don't have any room for error. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough loss. But uh, it's football. You're going to face adversity. It's about how you respond. Sam, how do you keep yourself fo- focused moving forward? Myself, I'm no issues there. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So, yep. Sam, what do you know about this team? Its character. They lead you to believe that you guys will bounce back collectively. Yeah, I know the guys we got in our locker room. Uh, 
so many leaders, so many, you know, guys that, I mean, this is uh, some of the best groups, a group of guys that I've ever been around. And uh, I, I know that there's not going to be any figure pointing. It's going to be a lot of people looking at themselves, figuring out what they can do individually to get better. And that's how, how you get out of uh, situations like this. Been here many times before. Is this perplexing a game like tonight, though, when you guys felt like collectively you had things kind of figured out and we're moving forward, and then you have a speed bump like this? It happens. It's football. You can't let it, you know, derail your entire season. And uh, you just gotta take what you did wrong and fix the corrections and move on to the next. It's, it's football. Just think the game, uh, think the game at the end of the half and heading into the second half, is that where it kind of cut away where they scored at the end of the half and then they began the Yeah, half. that was tough. I mean, I snapped my finger in half on that drive, had to leave the field. Uh, not even sure what happened. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was a collective of drives after that drive that we got to make stops. Yeah, we ask, yeah, what happened? So what happened I just got an x-ray. I'm not, I don't know if I'm talking injury, but yeah, I'm good to go. I snapped my finger in half. Certainly doesn't sound pleasant. A finger on Sam's left hand was in a metal splint after the game. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Without Jamar Chase, the Bengals' offense failed to score until the fourth quarter. While Joe Burrow's final numbers were okay, 232 passing yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and a passer rating of 96.4, the offense failed to take advantage of good field position for much of the night. T. Higgins had that 41-yard touchdown grab, but only had two other catches for eight yards. As for Tyler Boyd, aside from his 13-yard touchdown grab, he was held to two other catches for 25 yards. And the offensive line really struggled. Burrow was sacked five times, hit two other times, and the Bengals' longest run was seven yards. I caught up with a member of that O-line. We're in the locker room with L. Collins. You guys have been playing so well. Unfortunately, it was just one of those nights where it didn't seem like anything went well. Is that how it felt to you? It just felt like, you know... We didn't really get into a rhythm like we wanted to, um, like we expected to. But uh, just got to get back to work, man. Um, obviously not having Jamar uh, is big for us, you know. So um, when you're missing a guy like that, you know, we all got to step up and do a better job at that. I think in the first half you drove into Brown's territory on five out of six drives and then just stalled. I mean, when you have those opportunities and can't capitalize, it usually comes back to haunt you, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you're in that territory, you got to put points up on the board. You know, that's the bottom line. Yeah, you know, wasn't able to do that. Um, you know, I definitely think we had the opportunity to do it. You know, defense gave us that opportunity. Um, but... You know, unfortunately, we just wasn't able to capitalize on it. How hard is it to protect in a game against these guys when you have to pass? That's what we get paid to do. So, you know, there's no there's no uh, exceptions to that. You know, we got to protect the QB, give him time to go through his reads and keep him upright. Uh, so gotta go, we got to get back to work and do a better job of that. I know a subpar performance is never good, never feels good, but when it's prime time, does it sting that much more? 
Uh, doesn't matter prime time, no time. Anytime you're out there on the field, you know, you want to get your best performance. And, uh, you know, we just got to do a better job of that, you know, collectively as a group. Appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you. That's Lyle Collins. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Seven teams in the AFC will ultimately make the playoffs, and right now the Bengals are tied for the eighth spot with the Patriots. They're a half game behind the Chargers and just one game behind the Ravens, Jets, and Dolphins. So, they're far from dead. But with an 0-3 record in the division, they might have to be a wild card team to make it. Now, let's hear from head coach Zach Taylor as he spent a few minutes with Dave Lapham after the game. Coach, just one of those, one of those nights, Murphy's Law, I mean, the first, you had, I think, five possessions um, that were inside the 50-yard line at one point, but just couldn't finish any of them. No, we couldn't. You know, the, the two turnovers and the missed field goal hurt us there, and, and we mixed in two, three and outs in that mix as well. And so that's just, that's a tough recipe for success. We got to learn from it, uh, be able to make the corrections if, if there are there's something to be made there. Um, the, the two turnovers are just unfortunate because it's it's an open receiver on a tipped ball, and it's another one he's going to throw to an open receiver, and they get his wrist right as he's going to throw it. So um, th- those are tough ones. So do you think it was lack of execution on your end of it? Was what the what they did on their end of it a combination of both, or how do you assess it? The, yeah, the two three and outs. You know, I think we had a big drop there on one of those drives to an open receiver, and. Um, you know, so again, in just getting two yards on first down, it was second and eight, and then two yards of third and five. It just wasn't enough uh, moving the ball forward to put us in better positions like we had been the last couple of weeks. And, and when they got a pass rush like they do, it makes it difficult because then you got to use guys in protection um, and you get fewer guys out. And so they did a good job putting us in those situations, and, and uh, we couldn't get it done. You made mention of first down, um, winning four out of five. You guys had a good run going on first down. Tonight it wasn't there. I know your first 12 plays on first down was 24 yards, and they were averaging like eight or nine on, on their first downs. They handled first down pretty well. Yeah, we just didn't do a good enough job, you know, and, and uh, it starts with us as coaches and and uh, asking the players to execute it. So, again, we, we've got to rebound quickly in a six-day week, and I'm confident our guys will be able to do that. So injuries, I mean, Cheeto, that one, that one looked like it's, it's not good in the reaction of some of the guys in the locker room, I and mean, he has such an impact on so many guys. There's a lot of emotions in there in the locker room. That's the tough part of the National Football League, isn't it? It is. You know, he's, he's one of our best in just every way that he goes about his life, football. Um, he's worked so hard to put himself in this position to be a premier corner in this league, which he is. And, uh, you know, he's a big part of the, the heart of this team. And so we're going to have to rally behind him. And other guys are going to have to step up, and uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, really tough. I mean, on the back end, um, with him down, I mean, you 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 were playing uh, Dax Hill out there at outside corner and against Cooper, and that's that's a that's a tough tough scenario. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, you know. And so we're just a lot of guys are going to have to step up and make some plays, and and uh, we're going to be calling a lot of guys to do it. The home game against Carolina is up next, and it's been a rough year for the Panthers, who are two and six. Head coach Matt Rule was fired and has been replaced by Steve Wilkes. Baker Mayfield has been benched, and P.J. Walker will make his fourth straight start at quarterback. Last Sunday, Walker threw a touchdown pass that traveled 67.6 yards in the air. That's the longest completion by air distance since the NFL started tracking that stat in 2016. 
In other words, he's got a strong arm. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap, I don't think anybody saw it coming. The Bengals played their worst game of the year. The Browns probably played their best. And when that's the case in the NFL, it does not look good. No, you're right. And, um, you know, as the old saying goes, sometimes you get the bear. A lot of times the bear gets you, and, and that's what happened today. I mean, every phase uh, had a, had contributions to the defeat. There's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, it, it happens. And what you have to do is you have to put it aside you can't let one game like this turn into two or three where the problems become persistent. I think this group has that type of mentality like, you know, it happened. We just got to have selective amnesia, put it aside, and, uh, and move on to the next one. If you don't, it can, uh, it can gobble you up pretty quickly. And it's tough on a short week, too. It's, it's very tough. And then, you know, the, compounded by the fact that Cheeto's injury is, looks very severe, um, and a lot of guys were mourning that injury, no question about it, uh, in terms of emotion and tears and everything else. I mean, this guy is uh, somebody that has as about a high level of respect as you can have in the locker room. There's no question. If people didn't appreciate him and Eli Apple to a lesser extent, we saw their value in this game. When, Chid- uh, when Jacoby Brissett had to throw, guys were wide open. Yeah, they were wide open. He almost threw for 300 yards. Cooper has 130. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you rush for over 100 with Chubb. I mean, that's that's the trifecta. You know, quarterback, 300 yards and 100 by a receiver and 100 by a, run, uh, by a running back is like the triple crown. And they came within just a few yards of doing that. So credit them. They played well, like you said, and the, and the Bengals certainly didn't. The Bengals... Um, we're fighting an uphill battle all the way, and, and once they fell behind by three scores, the way Cleveland can run the football, man, you know, it's like now you have to, they, Cleveland knows you have to throw it every down. They're teeing off. Now you have to take extra uh, people and, and help the line block, and now you have less receivers in the route, and now you're playing to play, trying to play that game of when are we going to put extra blockers in, when are we going to put them out in the route, and, and, and you got a whole, whole bunch of things that just compound, and uh, pretty soon you're, you're, you're losing by three scores. Goes without saying that when the Cleveland Browns know you're going to pass, as you were saying, they're going to tee off. But even before that was the case in this game, they got too much pressure on Joe Burrow. It was more like the first two games of the season than the last five. Yeah, they did. They, they just they decided that they were going to be aggressive in terms of uh, getting up the football field. And if they run, so be it. You know, we'll try to make a play on the run as we're, as we're moving up the football field. It's going to be an aggressive posture. And uh, they brought talkie talkie a few times on, on run blitzes. They brought them on down and distance situations, particularly with the way the game was unfolding, where, you know, if you do decide to run a draw or whatever, he's still going to be in position to, to make a play. Um, so, yeah, they, they definitely got the upper hand and then took advantage of it with the play calling and the execution of the play calling. No, no doubt about it. it was, uh, they were overwhelming in terms of rushing the passer. Six possessions in the first half. They drove past the 50 on five out of the six and failed to score. How big of a factor was Chase's absence in the inability to keep on driving and score points? Yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to put it on one thing, but maybe the biggest play that Miles Garrett made was tipping that pass because it was there. And, and Higgins still tried to make a play on it, and he second tip, and then the interception. So it's tip, tip, doink, doink. Um, but he was wide open, and uh, if the Bengals score points on that drive, you know, it, 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 
I'm not, I'm not going to say it would have changed the outcome of the game, but it would have been a different football game. Um, there's no two ways about that, I think. And, and you know, when that, that was the first, uh, that was the first bit of tragedy, adversity to deal with, and then it just started snowballing and compounding. So if you're able to avoid that one, who knows? Who knows? We'll see, you know, it's just, um, just one of those days, things just didn't go. Sam Hubbard said after the game, listen, we went into the bye last year with a 5-4 and four record. That's the goal now. Win next week, get to the bye at 5-4. and four. Yeah, get to the bye 5-4, and four, but uh, right now, three of those four losses are division losses, and that's, that's, the thing that, yeah, that's the thing that's tough right now. It's like you know down the stretch uh, you've got other tough opponents you're going to be playing as well as the division opponents you already lost to, so you've got to sweep them as well as uh, you know, try to handle business with other uh, other tough opponents. So you've definitely uh, definitely backed yourself into a corner. There's very little margin for error, if any, that's for sure. It's amazing, isn't it? Eight days ago, after that victory against the Atlanta Falcons, it seemed like, oh, man, this team is on fire. They're ready to take off. And now in this locker room right now, with the injury to Awuja and the, the flat performance on Monday Night Football, I mean, guys are as low as you can be. I'm telling you. I mean, think of what took place during the course of this week. Chase, okay, we're going to have to shut him down. He, he's not going to be even showing up. He's not traveling. I mean, he's, he's shut down. And then Awuzier. So in the course of a week, you lose one of your most important players. The only other player of more importance is probably number nine, a quarterback, Joe Burrow. Then on the other side of it, you lose Awuzie, who is the he covers the number one guy every week. I mean, there's not an, a more important role, a role than that for the uh, for the defensive football team. But that's what life's like in the NFL. You can never count on things going smoothly. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the next man up? Who's going to who's going to bring the Bengals out of the wilderness because? They were on a prairie. It was wide open. Now they're back in the wilderness. I mean, you win four out of five, and you lose one and get thumped in so doing, and all of a sudden, man, it's dark outside. (laughs) The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you in part by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Finally, It's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with Bengals defensive lineman Zach Carter from Tampa, Florida, also known as Champa Bay. Due to the recent success of the Buccaneers, the Rays, and especially the Tampa Bay Lightning, are you a big fan of the Tampa teams, and have you ever attended a victory parade? I'm a huge fan of the Tampa teams. I take a lot of pride in the Tampa teams. You know, we've been through a lot. The Rays used to struggle. The Lightning used to struggle. The Bucks. Everybody used to struggle. And then it's like out of nowhere, like Tampa just lit up, man. <laughs> but sadly, I can say I've never been to a victory parade only because we kind of started winning when I went off to school. Like I was in college. So I remember when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, I was sitting in Gainesville watching the game. But all my friends sending me videos in Ybor City. Like, Tampa's never been like that before. So I never got to go to one. But it's great for, you know, it's great for Tampa Bay. Well, I'm hoping you'll be in a Super Bowl parade here. How does that sound? 
Oh, that sounds even better. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously agree. Were you a, a kid who played everything growing up, or were you primarily a football guy? I played baseball, basketball, and football. So it kind of came down to a decision where I had to choose which one I was going to go with like for my career. But honestly, I would have made a heck of a first baseman. I was really good, like really good. <laughs> Well, you're a big man. You're 6'4", 290. Did you tower over the other kids growing up? I definitely did, especially, like, starting in middle school. In elementary school, I was kind of bigger than everybody. But once I got to middle school, I hit, like, a four-inch growth spurt, like, after my sixth grade year. And, like, I was having knee pains and everything like that. But that's when I really started to tower over people. There's a reason why they have the term growing pains. It's, it's literally a thing. You were a highly touted recruit. I read that you had 41 offers, and you ultimately chose to go to the University of Florida. Did you enjoy the attention, or was it a bit overwhelming? I'll be real. Early in the recruiting process, like when I was in high school, I wasn't really getting any attention. Mm. So I started getting more attention starting like spring, headed into my junior year. So once I started getting attention, it was a good feeling. Like, it's like, man, this is what I work for. Like, I got all these college coaches telling me I'm, I'm good and, you know, we want you here. But then, like, as it started to get crazy, like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's like, this is overwhelming. Like, I was ready to shut it down. That's why I committed kind of – I committed to Florida kind of early before my senior season even started because I was just ready to shut everything down. What was the best part of being a Gator? It's just that pride, man, that Gator pride. We really we really bleed orange and blue, whether we're up or down. Um, I really think that's the biggest thing. We, we all stick together in all kinds of weather, for real. <laughs> you could have gone to the NFL after your redshirt junior year. You elected to go back to school for a fifth year. Why did you stay? I love the University of Florida, man. Like, I was honestly, I was ready to leave, and then when I really sat down and I, I prayed about it and I really thought about it, I was like, man, I should just go back. You know, I was able to be a captain my senior year, which gave me some, you know, captain skills, leadership skills that I could carry over to this level. And then, you know, we didn't have, like, the greatest season. Like, we had a losing season, but looking past the losing season, like, just the experiences I had, like, the friendships I got to have, like, I was – it felt good to be like a leader on the team and guys really truly believed in me. So that was a big thing for me. We're visiting with Zach Carter. You were drafted by the Bengals in the third round. Describe that moment. You're surrounded by loved ones. You get that phone call. Describe the emotion that you experienced. Well, I'll tell you this. That whole night was crazy because I'm, I'm sitting there watching Every pit go by, and I'm getting more nervous and more <laughs> nervous. And I had family and friends over that night. So, like, it came to a point somewhere, like, mid in the third round. I was like, I told everybody, like, I'm feeling kind of sick. Like, I was feeling nauseous and stuff. So I went to the back room by myself. I isolated myself, and people were doing what they did. And then my brother walked in the room, and my mom walked in the room kind of the comfort me and stuff and she's like just be patient and then it's like 10 minutes later I get a phone call I'm like Cincinnati 
I'm like, no way. That's like, man, that was the best. That was probably the best moment of my life. Honestly, I'll never forget that feeling, man. I was, I was like, man, this is a blessing. I was excited, really excited. So now that I'm here, it's just I'm living out my dreams. You majored in journalism at the University of Florida. Would you like to get into broadcasting many, many years from now when your NFL playing career is finished? I could definitely see myself in broadcasting. I think, you know, just my personality. Everybody's always told me growing up, like, I got a strong personality. You know, I'm funny, goofy. I could carry that over to the TV set easily, and it will be natural for me. All right, now time for some wild card questions with Zach Carter. Do you have any hidden talents? I do. Oh, share. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in the choir, church choir. A lot of people don't know that, you know. I'm a religious guy, but I could sing. People don't know that. I could really sing. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my hidden talents. I also played the piano growing up, so I could do that as well, and the trombone. So I'm kind of musically gifted okay. a little bit. All right, we're in an empty room. You want to give me a little Amazing Grace or something and show off the singing voice? I got you. Amazing Grace. That's all I got. How sweet. That was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Who is your all-time favorite athlete in any sport and why? got to say LeBron. LeBron James. Just... His dedication to the game, you know what he what he brings to the game. But his biggest thing, his impact off the court, like the man, he has his own school, like just things like that. I feel like that's what it's really about, you know. Like all the accolades, that's important as well. But like what you're doing for others, because he's like, you know, he's one of the biggest names in sports, and a lot of people look up to him. So. Just what he's doing on and off the court, it's a big deal to me. That's a great segue into my next question, because at Florida, you were named to the SEC's community service team for the things that you did off the field. Do you consider it important to give back? Really important, man. Just, you know, it's a lot of being in this position, you know, being looked at by hundreds, thousands of kids like that want to be NFL players or any any kind of athlete like we're on the highest platform so I just feel like it's important to give back to those kids to give them hope because everybody's not in our shoes you know so I feel like that's one of the easiest things we could do it it costs no money to give back well put being from Tampa Florida how are you with cold weather (laughs) well I got to I got to test it out this week man it's tough for me I'm not gonna lie but you know, I'm I'm taking it day by day. I just put in a big order for about four <laughs> or five coats, so I should be good. Is there anything that you've experienced in Cincinnati so far that you consider to be a, a really cool thing about this city? Just exploring the, the downtown area. Like, it's a really nice area. Uh, OTR, you know, the banks. It's, I feel like it's a nice city, and... I know it's like a a young a kind of a young city and it's on the come up and the rise. I can see it, but it's a I love Cincinnati. It's a nice city. All right, final question. This one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, statesman, religious figure, whoever it might be, who would that person be? 
I probably want to meet Martin Luther King just because of the the impact he had on the whole world, man. Like he brought he brought millions of people together, and he kind of like pushed like the nation in a in a better direction. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes a strong man to move a lot of people like that. So I definitely want to meet him and just pick his brain about how he thought and, you know, how he was able to lead like that. An excellent answer. This has been great. I appreciate you singing a little bit for us. And uh, best of luck the rest of the year. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. By Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. And by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.